Your party is in desperate need of water and rest. Your spoils from the noble had gone dry a week ago, and the road has not been as kind as your patron was. The path has no shade from the trees, and the sun has stifled your will to continue. The last of your water is gone, and you pass the water skin around, but then you see it. The next village. The hill you stand on slowly slopes down, and the tall grass is pushed away. As you get closer, you can see something is wrong. No people stir across the streets. The village is nothing more than a single strip across either side of the road, but how can there be no one outside? The squat homes are dark, and as you make it to the edge of the town, there are signs of destruction. Windows in the homes are broken. The doors hang at odd angles. You cannot hear anything but the wind rolling between the windows, and your only real enemy, the sun, is still beating down on you. Your party continues on, shoulder to shoulder. You are trying to determine if the danger has passed from the village and if you can still find shelter. The town hall makes you pause. It's the only building with two stories and the only building in this ghost town without any damage, not a mark on it. After a few more moments, the sun begins to win its war against you and your party tries the door. It swings open freely, cool air hitting you all like a godsend, and you scramble inside. There is just a fleeting moment of joy in the reprieve from the heat before your party can take in the hall in front of you. It seemed to be once a gathering place, a large open room for celebrations, but now it is dark. The many tables and chairs are piled together in the corners of the room and shoved to make a stopper for the stairs leading up the far right end. But in the center is the answer to the silence. Laid out in two rows are the villagers, young and old, all stripped of clothes, dead, skin pale. They are eviscerated. Their blood and organs are draped about them, placed by determined hands. A ritual. This was a ritual. You have the time to be shocked, then the door slams shut behind you. You hear the sound of heavy feet moving outside now. The windows at the edges of the room are blacked out in the flood of silhouettes, and there is a laugh. A terrible laugh that starts off singular, but picks up to a chorus from the barricades across the edges of the room. The laugh is high, mocking, but excited, eager in its malice. They now all stand from their hiding places, nearly half a man taller than all of you. Brownish yellow fur covers their bodies. Their hands are claws, but they still brandish crude, brutal weapons. Their heads are primal, a snubbed muzzle and eyes like dark black pools. And they are laughing. The six sizable monsters are laughing and baring their yellow fangs at you. Roll for initiative.
And welcome to another episode of Monsters and... This week we're Monsters and Maulers. Monsters and Maulers. That's a bit more brutal than normal. Speaking of things that are brutal, we're recording for my wonderful apartment, which will probably at one point have a radiator uh, or a fridge or my cat yell or people stomping around upstairs. So please bear with us. We're going to fix as much as we possibly can, but we are determined to come back with a vengeance. So thank you. Thank you all for waiting for this episode. We're, we're glad that you, you're with us. Yeah, we really appreciate that you guys have actually asked us about this podcast. <laughs> we're sorry that life kind of got a little bit in the way for us yeah, recently, we, but... Well, I moved. Everything got terribly busy. But as always... I am John Natsky. And I'm Christine Stouffer. And we're here to talk to you about monsters. This week, we are talking about... Um, we're talking about gnolls this week. As you can kind of get from the intro. If you're not familiar with gnolls, we're going to get real deep into it. They're one of my favorite monsters, but they have really no connection to the word gnoll as we know it. I'm going to just read a little bit of lore just so we can kind of branch off of that. Now, the first like appearance of a creature named a gnoll... Uh, was from a 1912 story of Lord Dunzanny and a 1912 story from Margaret St. Clair. Uh, in Middle English, the word knoll could refer to a very stupid or very drunk person. But to kind of give some more light, and I'm going to read this verbatim just so you can kind of understand this. Lord Dunzanny's story gives little or nothing in the way of physical description of the knolls, but they live on the edge of a sinister wood and watch intruders through holes bored in trees. They are said to own emeralds of very large size. Wonderful. In St. Clair's story, they also live on the edge of a wood, watch through holes bored in trees, and prize emeralds. But a senior knoll is described as looking like a Jerusalem artichoke, and although he has feet, has tentacles rather than arms and no ears. His eyes are small, red, and faceted like a gemstone. So if you could imagine like something like a ginger root with tentacle arms, that's where this evolved from. But we're going to see where but, this goes yeah, now. Gnolls look absolutely nothing like that in the D&D world. So basically nowhere near the same creature. And the only other time they're ever really brought up is like in the modern day Gnolls is in the Discworld series by Pratchett. Um, it was a minor character, but Discworld is wonderful and you should read it. Uh, they're also actually in a, quite a few video games as well, like uh, Heroes of Might and Magic. Um, oh, Warcraft as well. Like Yeah, they're, they're... and Orcs Must Die, there's Master of Magic, a bunch of basically D&D as type we, games. As we say like every episode, they're in D&D video games. <laughs> All right, um, Christine, you should let us know what they're, like, what they're looking like, though. So, okay, Gnoll's in the D&D world and not in the real, well, real world, <laughs> uh, are actually these like humanoid hyena creatures. Um <laughs> As the, that's a cry of a hyena right there. So, <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, the hyenas, I mean, sorry, the gnolls look like hyenas with greenish gray skin, dark muzzles, reddish gray to yellow manes, and big dull black eyes. Um, they have amber colored nails, and on average, they're about seven and a half to eight feet tall and weigh 300 pounds like at the leanest they're like they're they're brutal <laughs> they're ridiculously huge like angry hyena creatures um they're always evil um and they stand on two legs and hands work as well as human hands so they're not like pure beasts they're actually like you could consider them hybrids in a sense 
Um, and almost they're, like a werewolf, but just always a hyena. Always, yeah. Like, and to kind of describe that a little more for like the ecology of like a knoll, because they they inhabit nearly anywhere except deserts. Uh, like both both Arctic and arid in a sense, they they tend to to roam plains, tall grass, things of that nature. Um, they are not super friendly with other beasts like humanoids because they think with their stomachs. Alliances fall apart when they get hungry. They are purely like tribal war mongering creatures. They uh, this was like a fun little anecdote. They dislike giants and most other humanoids, but this was like specifically pointed out that they dislike giants. And I don't know why, like, it's you gotta remember, they dislike giants. So if you ever have a campaign, maybe bring that into light. <laughs> sure. Um, so they inherit everywhere, but they're actually most of the time subterranean creatures. Um, they occasionally will take over the abandoned village or a building or a fortified structure somewhere that's already, like, you know, pre-built. They don't want to build anything themselves. Um, you can kind of see that from, like, the intro that we tried to do. For that, like the the kind of taking over of a village. Right. Um, and they'll usually have a bunch of just regular hyenas and hyena dons, which were like um, prehistoric hyena creatures mm-hmm. uh, living with them in the encampments. They will eat anything warm-blooded. So this is where their hunger kind of drives them to fall apart because they don't care what they're eating. They'll just eat it. Um, but they favor intelligent creatures because they scream better. This is they're the most metal things in the whole world, and I like fell in love with them as soon as I like learned about what gnolls were. They they're the most brutal things in the whole world. I've said brutal like six times. So start a drinking game, everybody. Now we're gonna keep delving deeper because these are one of the newer monsters that were brought up. Well, not I won't say newer, but they're probably one of the most evolved. As, like, a monster recently, like, Volos kind of really fleshed them out. And yeah, they, but, I mean, they've been around since first edition D&D. Well, I think they're coming into light now. Like, I, when's the last time you ran into a Noel before, like, Volos probably came out, you think? I mean... Never? Always. Always? <laughs> I don't know. I run into them before. I don't really? know. Really? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. I'm 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 new. Okay, Christine? Yeah, well, you're not a seasoned veteran like me. <laughs> Okay, anyway, because I was fascinated by it, they um, to talk about their society. Knolls travel and live in bands with, like, real loose organization. There's, like, uh, the hierarchy is, like, basically based on, like, size in a sense. Like, the biggest and strongest will rule over those that are weaker. Um, they use fear and intimidation tactics. So think about Scar from The Lion King. Uh, if a chieftain is killed... Stronger members of the tribe fight to take place. So there's the, the if there's a dominance gap, they will try to ascend. Uh, a tribe may break up if this takes too long. Like they'll little they literally tear themselves apart because of it. Um, sometimes different bands join together briefly to fight or like to come together and they'll form new bands. Um, now to even break it down further, there's a two to one male to female ratio. Females do completely equal males in combat, though there's no like hunter-gatherer aspect for this there's also a two-to-one young to adult ratio the young do not fight though they're all just like hanging out underground and there is one slave for every 10 adults in their lair because they disdain manual labor so they basically suffer high attrition rate because right no well they they eat a ton of their slaves because (laughs) they're lazy and they're hungry all the time so they uh yeah they need to replace their slaves a lot yeah they'll like hunt out an entire area 
with like whatever resources and people, and then they'll move on to like keep going forward. Right. And uh, speaking of their hunting habits, uh, it's actually kind of related to how gnolls were created. So they were actually created by this demon lord called, uh, I think it's pronounced Zinogu. We're going with it. <laughs> right. So there was this demon lord called Yinogu that was rampaging around the material plane, kind of just hunting and doing his thing. And while he was doing this, a bunch of hyenas just started following him around and kind of scavenging after him. And he really liked that. So he decided to turn them into intelligent humanoid hyena creatures. That's what we know as gnolls today. Right. So um, they followed him around on the material plane until he was banished back into the abyss. And then the gnolls kind of spread out across the material plane and did their thing. Yeah, like they they became the like ravaging kind of packs that they are now. But because of this demonic origin, like gnolls have very like violent tendency. They perform demonic rituals as a celebration for victories. And sometimes uh, the demon lord has one of his worshippers possessed by a demon spirit. And these are known as Fang of Vinogu. Um, they are, if they if there's a hyena that's following around this Fang of Vinogu and it feeds on the kill of one of these as like a scavenging thing, they end up turning into a fully grown adult gnoll, sort of in a similar way to how Yinogu himself turned the regular hyenas into gnolls. And we had like a mini conversation about that, like about how brutal that would be to like make a scenario where there's a couple gnolls, but also a couple like hyena dons. And then you have to like race against the clock to see if you can like clip the hyenas before they change. And now there's going to be more gnolls that you have to fight. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a crazy thought that you could just be in an area and suddenly gnolls everywhere. Gnolls are everywhere. Um, but speaking of fighting... We're going to, like, break down, like, the... Because we just talked about, like, how much Inogu, like, blessed these people because they love their their ways, like... Blessed. Well, sure. I, I mean, <laughs> they like what they do, so it's a blessing in their eyes. He's a demon. They don't really bless things, they, though. Uh, pain is pleasure. Hellraiser. Everything. Um, their combat. Now... Gnolls will overwhelm opponents by just sheer numbers. They use horde tactics to drag things down. Uh, with like an actual strong leader, they will they will hold ranks and fight as a, as a unit if they're controlled. And they don't use traps often. They they ambush or attempt to outflank enemies. They will kind of do the most basic tactics. They they strike at random whenever they can. Um, like I was trying to bring up in the first scenario, like the intro here, they attack settlements along the frontiers and borderlands of civilizations. They slaughter victims, they devour, they use them for their rituals. And they they just attack like menacingly and immediately like a plague of locusts. They'll just fall upon a land. They basically completely destroy villages in their wake. They scavenge items rather than making them. They are the Greyjoys. They, they do not sow. There is no goodness or compassions that resides in the hearts of a knoll. This is a quote. I forgot to get the attribution for a quote. Like well, it's that- from one of the monster manuals. Is it? Yeah. Um, I don't remember if it's the most recent one or not. I hope but- it's just like from way back in like AD&D, like where Probably. they were first. I, I mean, want that to be AD&D like the most brutal like, thing. Yeah. You've said brutal like 80 times. So everybody keep drinking, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, speaking of brutal, <laughs> there are some pretty brutal null subtypes. Um, this first one's not really brutal. It's just a 
uh, different type. It's called a flind. Um, and they're smaller, smarter, stronger, shorter, broader. I need to throw all those adjectives in there. Um, more muscular than regular gnolls, gnolls. Um, they have like differently shaped heads, kind of. They're basically just smarter gnolls that end up becoming like the um, like pack leaders almost. Mm-hmm. Um, they use a weapon called a flind bar, which is basically just a nunchuck. Um, <laughs> which is fucking awesome. <laughs> and they are regarded with reverence and awe by gnolls. So again, they're basically just the gnoll leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the gnoll flesh gnoller, which is kind of self-explanatory. They're like barbarian versions of gnolls. Um, there's gnoll hunters. They're stealthier. But the gnoll withering is where it kind of gets brutal again. <laughs> So um, gnoll witherlings are, so sometimes the a pack of gnolls will fight amongst themselves and the survivors will feed on the flesh of the dead gnolls from one of these like fights and they'll save the bones to the side and then perform a demonic ritual to bring them back to life. They're, they're, brought back as undead gnolls um so these gnolls will act just the same way as regular gnolls do um and they'll wander around with the rest of the pack killing things but they don't eat or anything like that so they just kind of kill they, they also have like the undead attribute to them so like if you're fighting them they would be considered undead for this right yeah okay yeah um so okay i guess from here i don't remember i mean there's like half gnolls those oh like right, right, yeah. Thing. Those are the only other like null subtypes because so. they're humanoids, right? And they yeah, can like so. they could like breed with humans. Don't, if... don't start on the breeding thing again, John. I'm, I'm not. Hey, you you went there this I, time. I did. Who whisper voice this time? Not John. I'm t- I'm whispering to you not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like you said, we're going to progress on to now like our thoughts, the fantasy world of what we would think about for gnolls what we would do with gnolls. what we would do with with the concept of gnolls in our universes um the one thing that i would just want to give a quick shout out to uh just to, to bring it up again uh they did this kind of wonderfully and kind of stupidly comedically but the dungeon rats who uh were actually one of our first followers on twitter out of nowhere uh that's another D podcast it's another D podcast the dungeon rats they're wonderful people uh they had a, a moment where they in, did a, a an encounter where the gnolls were a frat house and i think that's beautiful in in its kind of dumb simplicity it was a bit more extreme when they encountered it i will say that up front but I think that's a wonderful way to try to treat that. You don't have to be as serious because that's what made me spin off into another thought about like, what if the Knolls were like a pro wrestling stable and like they were just trying to be as hardcore and like the most burly version, like the, basically it was like a bunch of Knolls were just stables fighting each other. Like the hierarchy was whoever had the belt at the at the end of the day i became fascinated by this i have a couple stables that i'm gonna work on and like seriously like it look i don't i'm not i'm geeking out about this i'm gonna shut up right now (laughs) okay um (laughs) back to being brutal again one of my ideas for how a how you could use a knoll or a pack of knolls uh one of my thoughts was to have a pack of gnolls where they're basically all gnoll witherings, like there's just witherlings, where there's just one regular gnoll left, like they all kind of fought each other and eventually got down to just one gnoll being left, um, 
because they ate each other. Um, so this one Null is just traveling around with like, you know, like a bunch of other de- undead Nulls following it around. Nulls, yeah. yeah. I th- do we have anything else major that we wanted to discuss? We're kind of going longer than we thought we would. So if you have ideas, please write them into us or send us or tell us what you want to hear. What like what you would do. We would love to hear it. Right. And if you have ideas for what we should do for our next few episodes, also let us know. Um, you can find us on Facebook or email us at monstersandpod at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter. Yeah. And I guess SoundCloud, you can send us a message yeah, there. Um, so we, should we take a break to do the trap? Um, sure. Sure. Your party is still caked in mud and soggy from the waist down as you make it further into the temple. These rooms have been brutal, but you are getting closer and closer to the heart. To her heart. To what you all came here for. You have been walking for so long, though, and you are tired of the slog through these narrow stone halls. The trek isn't like the times before. Not like the ornate but gruesome worship rooms that you have left behind. You are walking down a long stone hallway, looking for the next opening, the next puzzle. Instead, there is a T-shaped intersection. You regard both sides. To the right is barren. But left has a faint glimmer of the mosaic stones littered across the walls. Ribbons of blood dance up and down the hallway just within sight. This is the first time you have seen anything of the goddess in so long, you all immediately turn and walk down the left hall. The artwork fills the passage with rabbits who stare curiously up at the bright red ribbon, following it like you do. More and more flock to it, and your eyes go up and down the wall, but then... Click. You feel the floor give. Just a little. The tile shifting down from the weight of your party. There's barely enough time to react as the ceiling above you collapses and huge logs tumble down, barbed with steel hooks. Your party looks further down the hall for an escape, but there is just an end, a wall stopping your path. Across it is the goddess, smiling, or snarling at you? Her hands open, but like claws, waiting for you, waiting for the rabbits to be rushed into her. So, uh, John, what do we have to talk about with this trap? I mean, it was a pressure plate trap. Right, but like... I mean... Okay, fine. Whatever. Uh, Basically, you're walking along a hallway. We wanted to scheme it in such a way that you were enticed uh, to be led down the hall and obviously trip a pressure plate, and you're still going to be led further down that hall to be trapped, in a sense. So if you continue to run forward, you might get pinned by the logs or torn up or, you know, pinned against the wall, something like that, is what the implied end for that kind of trap is. Yeah, I mean, obviously not every party is going to go down that hallway. Other ones will be going the other way, but... Mm-hmm. When with perception checks is what... Uh, che- checks? With checks. perception checks. Perception checks, John. <laughs> you may be able to make out the pressure plate or a means... You know, you could probably wo- roll well enough to avoid or, like, dodge out of the way. It's not... I wouldn't say this is, like, the hardest rolls, like, to get. Even with them, like, falling out of the ceiling, you can probably all just, like, swing backwards and I mean, be okay. you could probably just do a dexterity check or yeah. a couple of them to jump over the logs or, or something acrobatics. like that. Or even like someone could do a strength check to grab the logs and stop them. I mean, you probably will take some damage. Like to, if you're going to like shoulder, just stop them. But like a warrior could probably do that or like a, you know, barbarian or something like that. 
Um, so it's not the most intimidating, but I felt like it did a lot of good flavor for what we wanted to do with the situation. And it was like simple and kind of like just fun for yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think All that's right. going to be. Yeah. So that wraps everything up. up for the week. Yeah. Um, oh, and again, if you like this, let us know, like feel free to always like criticize our intro and our trap. Everything. everything. <laughs> like give us more ideas, like, or share your ideas about what you would want to do for the situations. Uh, but yeah, that, that'll pretty much do it for this episode. Right. But we still have to thank people that helped us out. So we're going to thank our producer, Zach, um, who is Soma Recording Studios. Um, he makes everything sound great. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, my friend Bree Ross, who did our, um, logo. You can find her profile on our Facebook page. We'll put um, her in the description again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also send us an email, get in contact with us, mm -hmm. uh, through the email address that I gave before it's monsters and pod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can probably contact us through SoundCloud. I think I said last time I was going to make an Instagram and then I moved, but I will make an Instagram now because I just, I use Instagram a lot more and you can yell at me and send me monster pictures there. Right. We will be putting up a bunch of pictures of awesome pictures of no. I, I just, they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. They're brutal. They <laughs> All right, everyone take one last drink. It's been brutal. I lied, see. Uh, but thank you for listening. And is that where we done? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yay. <laughs>